The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm still your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers to learn their secrets. In part two of this special edition of the show, two writers joined me to opine the death of one of the most influential forms in the history of the written word. I pose the question that many great writers have pondered stretching across the last two centuries. Is the novel dead? And maybe a more up-to-date version of that question is, did the internet kill books? And of course, these are famous, almost cliche, theoretical discussions that writers often chew on over very stiff drinks. And they raise hackles for those of us who adore them, of course. But what you won't find here is a highbrow, literary dissertation or even a very strict definition as to what the novel is or isn't but you will find a lively discussion between friends who care about the writing life and its future robert bruce is a renowned voice actor poet fiction author and copywriter as well as the vice president of rainmaker digital and the guy who runs the rainmaker fm network and Adam Skolnick is an award-winning journalist, author, and a returning guest to the show. His first book, One Breath, was published by Crown last January, and his work has appeared in publications including Playboy, The New York Times, and many others. In part two of the file, Robert, Adam, and I discuss how digital culture has exploded traditional forms of writing on the millennial generation's preference for paper books, why it's so hard to define the novel in the internet age, how clickbait is killing journalism, and why the novel will never die. If you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. And if you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives on iTunes, on writerfiles.fm, and in the show notes. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by Audible. I'll have more on their special offer later in the show, but if you love audiobooks or you've always wanted to give them a try, you can check out over 180,000 titles right now at audibletrial.com rainmaker. This episode of The Writer Files is also brought to you by Digital Commerce Summit. We'll have more about that unique event for digital entrepreneurs later in the show, but you can check out rainmaker.fm summit for all the details on an amazing educational and networking event. Let me just say for the record, there's nothing, I think you guys would agree, there's almost nothing as beautiful and 
more desirous to hold in this world than a book, right? As, as an object, right? Or to own and to have, you know, a bookshelf and to have it filled with books and to go to a bookstore. But the, the thing, like the, the comparison to vinyl is interesting in that it's, it's hardly a blip in terms of, you know, actual sales. Like, right, these are, these are uh, serious collectors, not all of them, but somebody, for somebody to go out and get vinyl, and yes, it's growing, but it'll never be what it once was, right? Mm. And that's, who knows, but maybe that's where books are going. I, I don't know. Um, I hope not. I, want, I only want more and more and more bookstores. It's funny, I, I, went, um, I went through a phase a couple of years ago of buying Kindle books, and it was fine, and it was convenient, and it was all these things. It was all these kind of uh, sterile you know, reasons for doing so. And just in the last, I don't know, year, I've been restocking the old bookshelf with physical books. And again, I'm older, I'm not 22, so maybe that generation <laughs> is going to respond differently to these things and whatever. And 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 maybe they, who knows? There, there's a lot of book readers in, in every generation, but I'm, I'm myself, I'm going back uh, to physical, physical books. I don't know mm -hmm. if you guys ever, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that that's the trend. No, that's the trend. And it's, um, and it's just going to be buoyed because, you know, the big five publishers, I think you mentioned, you kind of alluded to it before, but we didn't really say it. The big five publishers have all signed pricing deals with Amazon. And so this deeply discounted era of eBooks is over. It's not happening anymore. So eBook prices are up. They're more comparable to what a paperback would cost and hardcovers are, are still discounted on Amazon. So you could get, for instance, my book, which the publisher price is at like twenty six ninety nine for a hardcover book, which is expensive for a book. Um, you could get it for seventeen ninety nine on Amazon, which is only five dollars more than the ebook. And so I think that's part of the reason it is an like you said, it is an Amazon world, but um, but it's not necessarily an ebook world. And what happened with LPs is another other mediums took over so completely and wholly that uh, other technology came in that we all abandoned LPs, but that has not yep. happened with books. So, you know, it, it could happen. Yeah. But I don't know that it will because it's, it's we haven't totally given up on it ever. And mm -hmm. I think, what is it about 50% of the market now is eBooks, which is, you know, that's a lot, but it's certainly not enough to totally make them irrelevant. And, and like you said, you're coming back to it. I'm the same way. I'm on the road a lot for, for eight months a year for the last like, eight years, nine years, I was on the road. And so I, I got into Kindle because it was just an easier way to keep reading. Um, but now when I'm home, I like to have a hardcover. You know, I like to have a, a, yeah. a hard copy, whether it's a paperback yeah. or a hardcover. Shut off the phone and the laptop. <laughs> yeah. Open yeah. a book. Yeah. 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 But you are competing with the internet for your, for your always. own attention always. And, you know, I mean, I think that's when you go back to, you know, like just Google, is, is the novel dead? You know, one, one of the more recent um, articles that people talk about from The Guardian, which is going through its own issues as we speak, um, Will Self, this novelist, um, most recently, I think, for, for obviously obvious reasons to promote the, the launch of one of his more recent books, um, you know, wrote this piece for The Guardian. Is the novel is dead this time? It's for real. Don't we see these <laughs> like every couple of years? Yeah, yeah. And it's someone tries to day. tackle it and kill it, and right, right. Yeah. And it happens in every industry, does it not? 
Yeah, and then it comes back around, and and certainly this the the title of this episode of the Writer Files is meant to uh, engender discussion and clicking and getting to listen, which is part of the problem, the, the very thing that we're talking about, right? Uh, but but it's not completely disingenuous in my mind because I th- I really do think uh, as a form and as a salable object. Um, you know, it, it, it the, the whether we like it or not, and I do not like it, the culture is moving on. And you can't, I mean, have either of you guys read uh, David Shields? Uh, his, he's probably most well-known for his book, Reality Hunger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Highly yeah. recommend anybody listening to this. Um, actually, Brian Clark gave it to me a couple of years ago, and it, and it re, I think it rewired my brain. Um, I, for so long, I, I can't remember, it had been years since I'd ever picked up a novel. I tried a couple of times, you know, recommendations people had given me. And this, I guess, we're maybe switch for a moment at least into the idea of the novel as form um, instead of object. Um, it had been years since since I'd picked up a, a novel and been able to get past three or four pages or, or two or three chapters. It just falls from my hand, right? Mm-hmm. And I, that is, uh, you know, whatever. I'm a victim of the culture that we live in, the internet age, everything flashing constantly at all times toward us and, and into our my eyes and brains. But he makes this case in Reality Hunger, David Shields, um, and it's really, really compelling about kind of the furtherance of art in every every art, every every uh, form has uh, it evolves right over time. We know this. This is the most basic of ideas. But the novel, generally, one of the points that he makes in this is that we're still trying to write. We're all still trying to write Jane Eyre, and it has <laughs> an absolute. And this is not wholly true. Of course, that's not, you know, there's all kinds of experimentation going on and all that. But as a whole, in terms of the big industry, in terms of what people buy and what people um, are reading, you know, it's like we're stuck still in the 19th century. And for some reason, this one form has evolved very little. You could argue that he's not completely right. I think he would probably agree but it is interesting when you compare that to things like television, music, art, uh, fine art, um, where there is evolution, there's evidence of it, but not not in the sense, it doesn't seem to me anyway, not in the sense that we see it in other forms. Hmm. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews 
a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Yeah. Well, a couple of points come up and I do love reality hunger by David Shields. A manifesto by David Shields. It's a good one. It's, it's one that I keep around and crack open every once in a while just for fun. Um, it's little bite-sized pieces and and it's it's uh, all very compelling. But um, there's something about just to come back to you know kind of the medium is the message idea of you know like the book conveying kind of the empathy of the storytelling and the, and the fiction obviously gives you kind of. Um, freedom, as Adam says, you know, kind of that magic piece of, of yep. the writing. But a um, couple things. Science says uh, literary readers understand emotions better than commercial fiction readers. Interesting. Something that, that we've talked about, at least Michael Gripko and I, the neuroscientist, um, a study saying that literary fiction helps readers empathize. And coming back to the medium is the message idea. Um, there was a recent study that concluded, uh, this was in The Wild Detectives, uh, John Bradley wrote a piece called The Medium is the Message, How We Read, How It Affects Us. I, I guess the idea that uh, a recent study showed that college students prefer paper to eBooks at an alarming rate, almost nine to one, and I think it has something to do with comprehension um, and maybe that empathy piece. But, um, you know, they're asking the question, does our preference for paper spell the death of eBooks or vice versa. Isn't that, isn't that a question we're always going to have as hybrid readers, all three of us, you know, I love the feel of a book. I feel like I do understand or empathize better with fiction and or nonfiction if, if I'm reading a paper book, but I love the convenience of having, you know, to being going to get a lot of hate from the self-published Kindle crowd here, man. (laughs) Watch Um, your words. I think, I, I think that, uh, that there's this, it's hard to separate. It's hard to know. Like I think part of us, because we're, we grew up loving books and there was no eBooks. I think that we might have this idea that we get lost in the world deeper and, and, and more entrenched in the world if we're reading it and we're holding it and it becomes this physical thing. I don't know if that's true though. You know, when I was, um, when I was first kind of transitioning from taking all notes on every kind of story that I was doing in a moleskin to typing them into my iPhone. The first, at first I felt, it felt very foreign and it felt like I wasn't really getting all the thoughts I wanted out, that there was some organic piece of the hand to the brain that I was losing that used to come right out of the pen. And I realized that was kind of an illusion. So I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I think with millennials choosing to have, to, to hold books instead of e-readers, that could be just more of the entire kind of uh, throwback vintage clothing, kind of like the throwback uh, grassroots lifestyle that, that they've embraced. 
which I think is great sure. And, sure. I, and I admire a lot. And so I think, um, I think that it might have more to do with that than have to do with comprehension. I mean, unless there's been studies that I'm not aware of, I, I just, I, I think that it's, whether you're reading it on a computer or an ebook or a book, I don't know that it matters that much, but I, um, oh. as long as you're reading, but, uh, I do think it's interesting if people are embracing hardcover books just because it, it, it it's, I think that's more of, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm totally spacing on the word, but more of just like that. It's a choice. It's just something that they like an aesthetic choice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And you know, to defend myself, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't the one saying, does our preference for paper sound the death of, uh, eBooks? That's something that John Bradley, he posed the question. And you know, my, my feeling is simply that there's a place in the world for both. Um, the, I know there's a lot of myth myths about kind of, you know, the millennial generation and how they prefer to, prefer to do things, you know, they're just like everybody else. I think everybody's going to have their, their preferences. That generation in particular, though, grew up with the internet and the internet, you know, you've got all of, you've got all the answers to every question you could possibly have all at your fingertips all at the same time. It's hard not to click around, right? So we know that attention spans are shrinking because of the internet. Um, you know, and to go back to the, the, the idea of the medium is the message. I think when you're on the internet, and you're reading stories on the internet, that's why you're clicking around so much is because it'll spur an idea. You know, you'll, you'll type something into Google, it'll answer another question, that leads to another question. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you're getting all the answers you need when that's not something you could do uh, 20, 25 years ago, right? Um, was Ask Jeeves around 25 years ago? <laughs> yes, Jeeves, no, but <laughs> he would knock on your door and it would take longer. We will be right back after a very short break. Thanks so much for listening to The Writer Files. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by Audible. Offering over 180,000 audiobook titles to choose from, Audible seamlessly delivers the worlds of both fiction and nonfiction to your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or computer. For Rainmaker FM listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check them out. Grab your free audiobook right now by visiting audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. I just hopped over there to grab Stephen King's epic novel, 112263, about an English teacher who goes back in time to prevent the assassination of JFK. You can download your pick or any other audiobook free by heading over to audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. Hey, Jared Morris here. If you know anything about Rainmaker Digital and Copyblogger, you may know that we produce incredible live events. Well, some would say that we produce incredible live events as an excuse to throw great parties, but that's another story. We've got another one coming up this October in Denver. It's called Digital Commerce Summit, and it is entirely focused on giving you the smartest ways to create and sell digital products and services. To get all the details and the very best deal on tickets, head over to rainmaker.fm slash summit. That's rainmaker.fm slash summit. But seriously, I mean, you had to sit with a book. Yeah. You had to sit with a book. And if you had a question or you found something in the footnotes or, you know, you were you couldn't click around suddenly to another nope. book. You had to actually stand up and go you know, type it into a computer or, or ask a librarian, you know, where to find it or, you know, go to a shelf, physically take it off the shelf. And then you had to actually read the book, 
You know, you couldn't just click to the page in the book that had the answer you wanted, which you could do now. So one of Shields' uh, chapter headings is books for people who find television too slow. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that, you know, it's obviously a where we're at in a lot of ways in the culture. But I don't know if he ever said it. If he didn't, I'm just going to make it up in the sense that he said it uh, anyway. But uh, I I always, I think a lot about the, um, I mean, websites in general, but uh, one that keeps coming up for me is the Drudge Report. And whatever you think of it, you know, I'm not talking politically, but just in terms of the design, the style, and everything you've been talking about, Kelton. At one point, he was asked somewhere in an interview, and he said, um, you know, he made the the quote somewhere that this is this is my novel this page this single web page with all of these links spiraling out into the world uh to your point kelton uh this is my novel and that's I, i'm not going to say mind blowing but it's certainly if you buy it which many many billions of people every year do in his case is culture shifting right mm-hmm. and that is you know, you can't, in one sense, you can't say that because that's just not a novel. Okay. Right. We get that. But it is interesting, again, to your point, Kelton, that what does it mean? I mean, I mean, that's the most interesting part of this. I think whole he's, thing just, to me. he's misappropriating the word novel to make himself sound <laughs> I think, awesome. I think that's, I think that's exactly right. And he, he is a master of, he's one of these masters of, uh, uh, framing. Yeah. Uh, which this yeah. whole thing is, you know, it's a matter of where you land he, the He's figured out how to sell a novel. Just he's call trolling, something right? else a novel. That's right. That's <laughs> yes. right. We need to get David Shields on the show. That would be a fun one. Um, yeah, it would be. And he himself, brain. Shields even s- rejects the, you know, he, the publishing world kind of rose up and, you know, um, blamed him for this idea kind of being popularized in the last few years, the, <laughs> the death of the novel again. Yeah. But he, he rejects that. He, he loves the novel. He loves the, the form you know, from from me as a journalist, it's interesting because you know, what we're talking about is you know, it could you, you guys could be foreshadowing something down the line that becomes real. You know, the death of newspapers is something that is real, mm. and that is something that the the internet has and digital has uh, just you know destroyed, but is completely shifted and and in many ways destroyed. If you're a mid mid city paper, it's destroyed you, and um, even the L.A. Times is a shadow of what it used to be, and that was one of the great papers. And do they have good stories still? Yes, they have some great stories still, but it's 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 still a shell of what it once was, and um, and some of that is mismanagement by the newspapers themselves that allowed digital takeover. Some of it is not, and you know I think I read something not too long ago, like fifty percent of the journalists that were working um, ten fifteen years ago are out of work. Fifty percent. Mm. That's a big yeah. number. Fifty percent. Um, how that affects me as a freelance journalist, always being freelance and never working on staff somewhere is interesting because a lot of those uh, people that used to work in newspapers, they don't actually don't know how or don't care to have to sell their stories. So they're not really pitching. So I'm not really competing against all of a sudden this big, robust group of people. A lot of them have left the industry completely. Some are still freelancing. And so that's a greater competition for less dollars because at the same time, what's happening is you have places like Huffington Post and Vice and BuzzFeed who a lot of readers celebrate, but are absolute sweatshops for right. writers. They're digital sweatshops and they're making billions of dollars. And, uh, you know, Ariana Huffington is supposedly a liberal progressive, but um, what she has done for journalism, I think, is a, is a net loss and a negative. And I think the same thing for BuzzFeed, although they have great stories and they have writers out there researching and breaking stories, no doubt, and they have people on staff that I'm sure they pay well. In 
reality, what they're doing is clickbait and they're bringing and, and freelancers are getting paid very, very low rates and vice freelance rates are abysmal. Mm. So these are all true and slate salon, all these down the line, they're all doing that. Um, and so, you know, that's a real thing. That's a real, you know, you were talking about death of a form. That's a real thing. And, yeah. and so what I would like to see in those cases, isn't that I'm anti Buzzfeed or vice or Huffington post for, for, you know, some of them, they publish stories that couldn't get published elsewhere. And so I recognize that, but you know, if you have CEOs making billions of dollars and, you know, buying $25 million houses in Brentwood, I think you need to pay your writers more and make, you know, there, there has to be a place for the middle class journalists to work and, and do their thing. It's only going to help your business and actually helps the world because we're out there because then you have more people out there working and calling out, you know, people like, you know, any, any calling out industries, calling out individuals that are, uh, that are affecting culture in a negative way. And I think we need that. That's what journalists are there for. We're watchdogs, we're entertainers, we're all sorts of things all at once. And, and so that's something that I think is, is extremely real and uh, happening right now that I think we need to pay attention to. And I'm, you know, I would love to see, I'd love to see journalist rates on web based uh, platforms go way up because they need to, and there's money out there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Adam, let me ask you something. Why is it, this is something that I just, it, it, constant question that comes back to me. Why is it, do you think, that a lot of these displaced journalists do not just triple down? You know, they have the education. They have, in many cases, the great reputation from the places they've been and the work they've done. Why don't they triple down on their own site? And their own, you know, whatever. Obviously, there's a, an issue of economics and budget and all of that. But even just, well, I mean, for, put, for putting, me, putting, for me, putting like, your own name down. Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, it. I need to make, I need to make a living. So if I decided to instead of try to sell um, a story to Playboy, um, which will pay me, you know, in the print a very, very good rate. You know, they're still paying, uh, they're still paying great rates. That's a, that's an institution that, Hey, listen, they're wrestling with the same economic realities as everybody else. And they're still paying their writers. So I respect that tremendously. And, um, so I can go to them and I can make a living selling stories. If I put it on my website, I might not see income for a year, two years. I I don't know. I, I would, you know, for me to be able to put a story that I invest that much time and energy in and expenses, and then expect to recoup that on my website, uh, that's not going to happen for me. That's why the people that have done well with websites are bloggers because they are not putting expenses in. They're not going out chasing down stories. They're not doing what I do when I go onto a story. They're not. They're sitting yeah. in their office and they're just block. They're basically they're they're um, curating news and they're finding stuff and they're commenting on it. And some of it's entertaining and cool. I'm not I'm not I'm not denigrating it. It's just not what a journalist does. Yeah. You then instantly become journalist plus business person and which is fine. And I know, I know journalists that have kind of 
put, come together in collectives and tried to put their own app together of stories. Um, and it's hard, you know, it's hard to sell that stuff, man. You need to have like, it's, to get that out in this big noise, you know, it's, it's all this, it's like white noise. You put it out into the abyss and hopefully someone gets it. You know, it's a lot easier if we're looking at something. Um, Look at Dave uh, Pell, Robert. Yeah. Right. That's kind of an interesting aside, but right, I, think, right. I think we're, I think we're veering off course here Yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. much as I hate to say it. Well, um, bring us I back, think it, bring us back. I, I just want to say that I think it puts up a premium on quality. And I think that's what it, what's always going to come down to is that we're always going to have these great novels, right? Those aren't going anywhere. Um, that will just stand the test of time. We're always going to have uh, great journalism that will stand the test of time. And there's always going to be clickbait, you know? Um, but you know, how that affects the novel is a good question. So just to kind of bring us back to the original question and, and kind of that, I'll just quote Will Self's <laughs> question to bring us back on track. You know, Will Self is an English novelist. I thought it was interesting, uh, Adam, that he wrote a book called Walking to Hollywood. And if you look at the title, uh, or if you, if you look it up on Amazon, you'll see um, that it's got this Ralph Steadman-esque kind of Hunter S. Thompson cover. Um, but I guess it was a satirical novel about a British writer uh, named Will Self. Uh, who goes on a quest through LA and uh, some other places, but, but kind of interesting idea uh, behind the book was the question who killed the movies. So <laughs> this is all very meta, I know, but he, here's his question, or at least I'll just quote the, quote the uh, Will Self uh, uh, piece. The novel is dead. This time it's real. There is one question alone that you must ask yourself in order to establish whether the serious novel will still retain cultural primacy and centrality in another 20 years. And that's the question. If you accept that by the vast majority of texts will be read in digital form on devices linked to the web, do you also believe that those readers will voluntarily choose to disable that connectivity? And he goes on to, you know, post his own and questions and answers. And, and, you know, I think we, we partially answered that. Got to turn off the internet sometimes if you want to enjoy a, a, a book <laughs> yes. and sometimes, sometimes you just want answers quickly <laughs> and you're not going to be able to turn off that. And sometimes speed internet. you're living in the panopticon and you can't ever turn off the internet and we're all screwed forever. <laughs> eternally. That's why I go ocean swimming. <laughs> That's right. No, you got it. You got There's that no internet right. there yet. <laughs> if you're listening to this in the future, in the panopticon, as Robert puts it, um, we're all dead and uh, good luck to you. Hey, we're all dead. Hey, everybody <laughs> dies. That's it. That's wow, it. this is I, really I think, I think going back to Adam's original Herman Melville uh, anecdote is the, is the way forward for, for novelists is you do it because you love it. You do it because you got to do it. You've got no choice. This the is magic. true of any artist and any art ever. And you never expect and again the the kindle people the kindle self-publishers are going to come after me with pitchforks but you don't expect to make a dime there are ways to do that absolutely um there's no question but it, again depending on what we're talking about here if we're talking about art and we're talking about um the forwarding of the literary form um I think that's the way to approach it. I mean, for for hundreds of years, it, this has been the way it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, they used to take actors out to the crossroads of town and burn them and execute them. You know, <laughs> after they uh, uh, revealed the truths about the the society they were living in, they, they couldn't yeah. handle it. So what, what do we, 
or what does the the modern novelist think? Um, you know, it can happen. You can you can end up in the uh, in the nice big place up in the Hollywood Hills, you know, sipping champagne out of somebody's navel, but it, it's not. Yeah, a, but are those people really happy? Good point. Good point. <laughs> I, my guess would be yes, but oh, yeah. I get your no, point. Really, no, they are extremely happy. <laughs> it, it went from an Orwellian turn to a a very um, a skewering of of yes. Hollywood. Hollywood I culture. Love Hollywood. I'll always love Hollywood. <laughs> you can't ever get it out of your blood. Um, uh, I'll, let me let me close my part of this anyway by saying the last book I bought was just a few days ago. It's the hardback. This is uh, Norwegian Wood: Chopping, Stacking, and Drying Wood the Scandinavian Way. Don't know what that means, but this is where <laughs> I leave you, gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, no, I have that on on Kindle. It's it's, it's actually very good. <laughs> it's a good read, quick read. Adam, do you want to <laughs> have any take any parting shots? Well, I hope the novel's not dead because my next book is fiction. So <laughs> <laughs> Let's, don't don't tell my agent; he's going to have to sell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think I'll leave it there, and and I won't try to make it nice and neat. Um, I think you know there's a, a case to be made uh that the novel is is alive and well um there's a case to be made that uh ebooks aren't going anywhere anytime soon obviously um we all read them we all love them uh they have their their place and the internet's not going anywhere anytime soon so uh i guess we just have to wait and see well i think i think well, actually my my serious parting shot would be you know, the key is that people are still seeking stories we will always need stories um there's more forms to find that than ever before. Um, the novel is still a viable place for a deep, deep kind of, uh, rooted down story that can mm -hmm. take over your mind and take over your life for a short period of time and hopefully shed some light on, on where you are or just entertain the hell out of you. And I think it's still, mm -hmm. it's still its own form. It's deeper than you can get in a movie or a television show. Um, it goes, sure. it, you know, when it's done well, and, uh, and so, you know, I'm always going to love it. And I think it's here. I think it's here to stay. I think it'll always be here. Yeah. Agreed. Great stories aren't going anywhere. Um, uh, as long as we have language and, and we, we share stories and, and that's how we, uh, you know, kind of connect on a human level. Right. So I do find it interesting that, uh, th that the best way to, to get a uh, movie made would be to, to write the book, for, write the novel first. Because aren't most Hollywood stories adapted from, or do a deal with the devil at the crossroads? Yes, that, that's what's happening for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It, to become a screenwriter is a, is a very a treacherous uh, 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 road. But you know, if you want to if you want to make a movie, write the book first. There you go. And yeah. write a short story, right? Yeah. There Isn't you go. it true? Most movies. Movie scripts come from short stories. The yeah, short stories do, or, or or longer pieces. I mean, all those uh, Philip K. Dick movies are—they're all short stories, anyway. Sure, but I mean, for instance, uh, what is it? The Girl on the Train, uh, which is coming oh, right. out coming out soon. It's a mix, uh, you know. It's, runaway it's, novel. It's it's uh, magazine stories, newspaper stories, short yeah, stories, nonfiction stuff is great. Uh, nonfiction and fiction, long form, all of it. Yeah, but anyway. Keep cool, writing. gentlemen. Hey, thank you Keep so writing. much for including me. Uh, it was great Thanks to talk to you. What's going on, man? Yeah. yeah, awesome to have you both. I hope to have you back again on another uh, edition of Writer Porn. So, um, you know, watch your inbox. Yes. 
<laughs> we'll see you guys. guys somewhere in the hellscape. <laughs> I appreciate it. See you out there. Thanks so much for tuning in to this special edition of The Writer Files. For more episodes of the show, or to simply leave us a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And please subscribe to the show to help other writers find us. You can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. See you out there.